Hey everybody, my name is Connor McIver, and I take it uh, I take it real seriously about local business, and I like to interview people. And today I have a fantastic lady that really you need to hear from. Her name is Ariel Ziegler, and she's going to tell us a little bit about what she does, why she does it, and then we're going to get into a little bit of banter back and forth, just kind of figuring her out more and why you might want to contact her. Hey Ariel, how are you? I'm good. I'm uh, recovering from this weekend, as you were just talking about, um, but I'm doing great. <laughs> a few headaches and, and knock nose, but what were you saying? Tell us, I was going to ask, what uh, happened this weekend before we get into a little bit more? I, I got it. They got to hear it. I do jujitsu. Um, that's my uh, hobby and passion, and I might eventually get into MMA amateur, but um, this weekend I had a tournament and six fights were lined up and two minutes into the first round. Um girl was using her head pressure a lot, kept headbutting me. And she, I just felt this crunch on the fourth time and my nose started bleeding and I went to the sideline and they're like, Oh, she broke your nose. So, um, I was like, can I still fight? And he's like, the ref's like, if you can stop the bleeding, you can fight. So the rest of the day was just me getting through the day, pushing shit up my nose to be able to finish the fights. I lost against her, lost the next one, one, three. And then the last one was a call, but she scratched my cornea, as you guys can see before the end of that match. So I've just been recovering. <laughs> that is brutal. I just, that, that's so awesome that you're here. I think I would have probably still been in bed for the next couple of months trying to recover. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't take rest very often. That's one of the downfalls of what it, but I just, I enjoy it. Um, whereas as we'll get into, it used to be something that drove me because of an internal dissatisfaction and even hatred for self um now it's more so passion drive and i do listen to my body but it's um me sitting down for a long duration of time doesn't typically happen unless i'm meditating or doing some breath work or working through some internal stuff so one of the things that i appreciate about you most is you can exchange very few words with me but i learned so much from just very few i guess maybe let's start with this what do you do so short-winded, long-winded, basically I help people find their truths. I help people start to pull away the layers of conditioning that they've created over the course of their life. That's created either a hollow life of a shell, um, them feeling like they're constantly on autopilot, coping mechanisms, um, addictions, things like that, because of the way that they felt that they had to show up in their lives that was not authentic to who they were. Um, many people will come to me for obesity, um, addiction, um, control issues, having to always control things, trauma, um, whatever the span is very, very broad. However, the root of the issue many times is the same thing. It's not listening to yourself being disingenuous and it comes up in many different ways in coping mechanisms, autoimmune conditions, addictions, whatever it may be, um, because people are afraid of speaking their truth because of the trauma, because they were silenced when they were young, because of a abusive relationship, whatever it may be, um, or because they just don't, they, there's some sort of internalized dialogue that they created over the course of their lives that was mm -hmm. hit a chord that created what they some would call an imprint um, that created that traumatic cycle for them and they never processed it and they compartmentalized it and they are where they are now. When you first, how did you get into this? What was, is there a why moment or an aha moment or were you at bottom or? So personally, a little of my background, um, I started in the health and wellness industry when I was 19, it's always been 
at the forefront of my life because I was obese in high school, um, ate unhealthily. I then developed an eating disorder for two years. I had anorexia, was exhibiting the symptoms of anorexia nervosa for two years. Um, recovered from that, got into the fitness industry as a means to healthily recover a lot of weight. I gained about 40 pounds, uh, 30 pounds in the span of four months. Um, and then I went to school for my graduate, for my bachelor's and then my graduate degree, um, a combination of kinesiology, nutrition. And then I did a whole bunch of electives in psych. Um, when I first started at Gold's Gym nine years ago, um, I was always the one that people came to because if you wanted to actually change, I was the one that would help people change. I never approached it from just the training. I also did the nutrition and I would approach to an extent the cognitive level, at least habitual a little bit of thought process, et cetera. But when COVID hit, um, everything crumbled around me. And believe it or not, COVID was the best thing that happened to me. I lost that identity that I had assimilated with and believed that was myself for Gold's Gym as the badass trainer. And um, I was forced to either pivot or fall victim to the government and starve and totally lose everything. So after three days of depression, um, I picked up my boots and I decided I'm going to make my own business. Um, so ever since then, it's been a constant what journey for myself. This, this, my entire career, my business is based on me. It is not me. I do not identify with my business, but the growth of it is right behind my own internal journey. So my journey is reflective of a lot of the clients that I work with and the way that I was able to work through certain things myself obviously, as well as the academia and all that, um, has created the processes in which I help others. I know what it's like to be debilitated in anxiety. I was medicated for eight years. I know what it's like to be molested. I know what it's like to have eating disorders. I know what it's like to have death in the family. I know all these different experiences and each one has lent to me finding a way to process and not allow it to make me collapse. Originally, I would cope. I would compartmentalize because I thought that was a way to survive. It is not. It is the coping and the and the um, suppression and boxing in of those emotions that cause the systemic disease that is created over the course of our lives that creates things like self-hate, um, dissatisfaction, um, boredom, um, just overall malaise, guilt, shame, whatever it may be that can transpire into people's lives. And it just seeps in. If you don't address these emotions, you keep compartmentalizing them. If you don't say what you want to say, you're a yes man, you're a yes woman, you're a people pleaser, whatever it may be. There's something that is internally not congruent with you. And I found that for myself and every single thing has panned out for those that I work with. And I've been able to, by the grace of the higher powers that be, whatever you believe in, um, actually able to help these people shift their lives. So they work with me three or six months and all of a sudden they aren't overeating. They aren't not exercising. They're actually speaking their truth. They're able to make the financial goals they want to. They're not having anxiety attacks. They're not having depression because it's never about those things. It's about how we're showing up in life. Um, and many of those people, whereas before with when I did training, some of them make me changes, right, for a long time, for like six months, a couple of years, but you come back and nothing would be the same. Every person I've worked with in this realm that's actually done the work never have issues again. That so was key, I think. What you just said actually does the work. Yes, you have to do the work. Um, it's not like training where you're like, okay, I'm going to buy 36 sessions, make me fat, nice and shiny. It's like, no, you still, this is not, this is not for the faint of heart. This is not for people who think that that's going to be easy. 
the path is uncomfortable. The path is painful at times because it is, for many people, they don't want to look at themselves. They're afraid of what looking at themselves is going to look, whatever criteria you want to call it, the dark side of yourself, you want to call it shadow work, whatever it may be. They're afraid of looking at themselves. And that's not a fun process for many. Um, but for those who are willing to do that, the journey, there is no, there's nothing to compare that reward to. How long, what's the underlying process? Okay. So if we backed up a little bit and we were talking to garden variety people, is there, I know there's not such a thing, but what would be like the largest problem you encounter? Control issues. So I'd say control issues, um, needing to control everything because of fear, anxiety, um, scarcity, not trusting oneself. Control can stem from all those things. Not trusting yourself, um, fear and anxiety. Um, there's a whole bunch of different reasons, but those are kind of the biggest ones um, and not speaking one's truth. So it's like, if I'm able to control this external stimulus, then maybe they don't have to know that I'm not really showing up the way that I'm meant to. Um, or if I control this, then maybe things will slow down and all these scary variables won't happen again. Maybe I won't get raped. Maybe I won't have um, issues with alcoholism if I can control these things, whatever it may be. Um, that's a big one, control, um, people pleasing. and um, recovering from relationships that change everything um and then trauma just not being able to process trauma and these all stem from experiences that what people may have buried because i mean we that's that's the direct result of those issues the past right yes so many the biggest thing with society is we create these identifying factors where we create it's like, in, because we want, as, as human beings, we are meant to, part of the human experience is to connect with others. Sure. The problem is that we create these identifying properties where we're like, okay, I'm no longer an alcoholic, but I'm part of AA. So now I am in this group, which is a healthier version of alcoholism, right? Because that was an identifying factor before. And that right. was a group and a subset. And it's like, okay, I can label myself. But now we're in that realm. So it's always in the back of the mind that I'm a recovered alcoholic, which means I still possibly have the, ten, the, the possibility of going back to that again. So the identifying factors, when you decide that I am this thing, that's the biggest issue. Instead of I am experiencing this thing, I am not this thing. We are not our mind. That is the biggest thing is we think that the voices in our head are us. They are like not. we are our thoughts. We, we, are I am what I thoughts. think sort of a thing. We are the observer of our thoughts. We are the one in the back of the bus looking at the driver and the kids. How do you get people there? That's, that's, that's huge. It's silence. We are utter and beautiful silence and observation. We are the observer, not the one being observed. That's what we do yeah. in part when we are meditating. That's why people are so big about that. It's like, oh my God, it's finally quiet. You said this to me the other day. I am observing the chatter. I am not the chatter. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I stuck it here to my screen so I could remember. And then you also said this. Yes, you are. Yeah, that's what's remarkable is it, it took just so little to, to just kick off an entire thought process. I mean, and it was laden with emotion. It was laden with crap that I've been dragging with me for the last 53 years of consciousness. 
because what happens is if you're able to drag it with you, it's able to stay alive. If you no longer indulge it, then it dies. It's a parasite. But the so thing you... is, it can be advantageous, right? We are all three. We are the mind, we are consciousness, and we are our body. We are all three of those things together. We are consciousness that is that is in this human experience, which means we have to utilize the mind to be able to assimilate into society and to be part of the human experience. The problem is we, we are all three. We are not just that. Our consciousness is far deeper and far more powerful and connected to a higher energy source, God, whatever you want to say, that is much more on the present and able to see the potential of what life has to offer you. The mind sucks you into the survival, right? Because the mind is so closely correlated with the body. It goes back to when we first came into being, right? We had to survive. We had to find a way not to be eaten by the mountain lion. We had to find a way not to be attacked by neighboring cavemen, whatever it may be. So these constructs worked for a time. We are not in that area anymore. We don't need to, to, to run from mountain lions. We have another way of doing that. These are advantageous tools, but they are not us. And it's when you're starting able to see that we are not the tools, and especially with where we're at in, in this, this beautiful portion of the world, the 20, you know, 21st century, we are able to expand upon and finally start to reach into what would some say are the phases of enlightenment. But it takes separation from the mind. Almost an extra out, an outside of body experience in a, in a way. Correct. For example, so you're Sunday. watching yourself sleep or you're watching yourself go through the motions, but how do you get there? I mean, I, I know it, is it so practice again, or, or so if you identify many, it as practice that it's work and then you don't want to work. That's I, the mind trying to control and that's the mind trying yeah, okay, to yeah. find a way. The way to get to consciousness is by letting go of the want and the need because the wants and the need creates scarcity. When we create scarcity, we start pulling in inauthentic measures to get to X, Y, Z, thereby never actually getting there because the path wasn't our own. So we're following someone else's path. That's, that's, what is that called? Um, that's a conundrum or it's, it's interesting the way that you have to let go to find and you're not really finding you're you nothing were, you were always there oh my god so what's the general beginning of this so somebody somebody contacts you on, on facebook and i'll put all that into the show notes later all your contact information so people can connect with you but when they find you what's that what's the process look like so typically speaking i do a consultation i'll never accept someone without a consultation um i want to see where they're at um i want to see if they're ready, it's a heavy investment. Um, and I don't want to waste their time. And I don't want to feel like I'm pulling someone through mud. They have to be in the right portion. And I have one client, one individual who reached out to me, the first person who's reached out in this measure and her movement has been unparalleled within five weeks, control issues that have been spanning for three decades, eating issues that have been spanning for three decades have all just dropped away. Wow. And all that's shifted, I haven't told her, go eat this thing. I haven't told her, do this. I've opened her awareness, asked the right questions, started using some tools and modalities to help with inner awareness. And she's just shifted 
like light years. It's amazing to see. Um, so there's an interview. It's for, for me because the ethic of the standard that I hold my work to, and I'm here to help people change for the rest of their lives, not about the money. Um, and they have to also feel that it's a good fit. It's, it's definitely an interview process. Um, I've had a couple people where halfway through the call, I'm like, I don't think you're a good fit. Come back to me at a different time and things shifts. So um, there's a consultation if they're if they're a good fit, um, if they're ready to make the financial investment, which it never has to do with the money. It has to do with the faith in me or the faith in themselves or the belief that they're worth it, because if they are, money's never an issue. Um, so if that is the case, then some containers I'll do 10 weeks, some I'll do 12. I typically don't go past 12 for initial beginning stages um, just because I'd like to reassess after that. Sometimes I'll add in an experience where I'll fly them out and they'll work with me for two or three days in person as a, if it seems like it's a very deep seated rooted issue. Um, and then we reassess at the end of that. Uh, after about, we have, we reassess at the end of that. The program itself, typically there's one call a week as like we're doing right now on face-to-face. Um, they have constant communication with me via an application that I set them up on. Um, and then I do address the nutritional aspects because neurotransmitters in our gut, actually, it helps with like the fluidity behind the program. Because if you're, if your body's feeling shitty, if you're super heavy, if your neuro, your neurotransmitters are regulated in your gut. So if your serotonin, your dopamine and all that is off, your sleep cycles off, it's going to make things a little more difficult. You can still oh, see that's shifts. Interesting. Yeah. You can still see shifts. You can still see changes, but I prefer to streamline the process and help things along as opposed to making that. And some people aren't open to that and they have to do that five or six weeks in that's up to them. This is their process, not mine. I merely leave the tools available. Um, so I do that. I assess their food. I add in certain things to help improve their gut regulation, um, educate them a little bit on that. And then I will typically as well add in a little bit of movement. For some people, they're full athletes. I've had full jujitsu athletes who, uh, one of my old clients is number one blue belt in the world right now um, in IBJFF. Um, and then some are just mom's sitting at home trying to get active and they want to feel better and not ache all the time. So it just depends, but that goes on for 12 weeks. There's also a small group call in which everyone's able to join. And I do typically suggest everyone does because many people feel that they're alone in this. They feel that my issues are only my issues and there's no one else in the world. They're not. Everyone is going through similar things in one way or another, in one degree of severity or another. Um, and that community really helps everyone realize we're all at different portions of this journey and we can support ourselves. And it's a really great group. I look forward to our calls every week. So, and there's a group chat for them as well. Um, that's that they sometimes post funny pictures and we put memes and stuff. So sure. One, one final thing. And this, this is something I, I know a lot of people that are just living in the past. They, they can't, they, they just can't get past the past and they're constantly holding on to it. If you were going to offer some maybe simple steps and i know it's not the full monty but something what would you say to help to maybe move past it or try to what's the what's to the assess word? so sometimes there's a cost benefit analysis like there's just sorry there's there's like a there's an offset right i'm able to stay the victim and if i'm able to stay the victim then maybe people still take they care about me they show up in my life they do things for me and i don't have enough validation within myself to actually believe that I'm worth anything. So if I stay the victim and I stay small, then I'm actually pulling more of those experiences into my life subconsciously because my subconscious is looking for experiences to validate and reinforce this identity. 
And I don't believe that I'm worth it. So I'm going to stay in the past. I don't forgive myself. I don't forgive them. If I forgive them, then maybe they can hurt me again. I don't trust that I can protect myself. That's one example. Um, so start analyzing why am I allowing myself to stay in the past? What am I getting as a benefit out of this? Boy, because many powerful. times people don't realize that they're getting something out of it. Because once the pain has become so much, you will move. If it, if there are many people who stay uncomfortably comfortable, set in their ways, because they're still getting something out of it, getting something right. They're afraid of the change and what they could potentially lose, even if it's really sucky. At least they know that norm. So, what are you getting out of it? And once they establish that, and then they look at the fear of overcoming the past, I have people say, I'm like, oh, they're like, oh, I'm going to become homeless. Okay. What would that be like? Let's look at it. Right. I've been homeless. Yeah. Sucks. It's doable, especially in California. It's not that bad. Right. So it's like, we make these giant stories over letting go of the past when many times the fear is far more than the actuality of what is, but you can't know what is if you don't let go. And you said before, you said the pain of being where you are most of the time is greater than the pain of change in a way. I've heard, I've heard you mention that. 100%. Yeah. Because we extrapolate based off of our previous, previous experiences. Our brain can only project based off of what it knows, not what it hasn't experienced. I understand. That's very interesting. So what would be that suggestion what would be that way to move past <laughs> it depends it all goes to faith and trust within oneself if someone trusts themselves it's going to be a lot easier the thing is a lot of people don't trust themselves yeah i sabotage myself it's like it's like a joke you know i mean i it's i'm just the biggest saboteur i know against myself you know if and it's that it's that oh you deserve it oh you can have one more brownie you can do this and i i was able to torch off 135 pounds of fat but still i'm still i still look at myself in the mirror and i see that same fat person and then with the days that i don't see the fat person i don't know who the hell i'm looking at because it's not the same guy so where are you where are you where are you not saying the things that you want to say and where are you pretending to be something you're not I don't know. Look at it. How often do you not say what you want to say because you're afraid of how it may be construed as incorrect or wrong? Oh my gosh. Or yeah, not in line or not in line with the persona that you're putting out to the world and you're afraid of what that may be seen. I don't give a fuck how the world sees me. Right. It's not my it's not their life, it's mine. And the more <laughs> within the realm that I'm in, I've been very blessed. I have people add me all the time and mentor people who used to be my mentors are now. Sure. I am in that realm. And they're like, you must have been doing this for a long time. And I was like, no, I'm not. It's been two and a half years. And these this realm of people, we all are of the same mind. The more there's not, I mean, it's definitely, you know, maybe 1% of the population, if that. Um, the more that you step into yourself and who you actually are, instead of what society tells us we're supposed to be in the programming and believing that conditioning and whatever, the more that society and the majority of the public will view you as insane. Interesting. So you have to fully accept yourself 
for who you are in this journey. That's the other terrifying part. And so, I mean, not everybody has to do to that degree, right? There are many people who are happy with like halfway through and they're like, I'm, I'm comfortable saying, you know, kind of being really being truthful in this area, but not here, which is doable. It's livable. It's still a content life. I'm the one who's going insane for wanting to be like, how far can I go in this lifetime? Um, so I'm still running aware. and I'm still running pre-recorded information from the past. That's I'm, I'm running. I'm running the video of what other people think, what the world's supposed to think, all that crap. And as long as you do that, you'll stay stuck. Wow. Because you're not living your life. You're living someone else's. Or an extrapolation of multiple. Wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> That's a lot. Okay. Very good. Thank you. I, I want to say, is there anything you want to say in closing? Anything at all? You, there's so much to unpack here. I know that the people oh when they watch, it's going to be amazing. But there's this point. It comes to this point. Ask yourself every day, am I doing what I want to do? Or am I doing what someone else told me to do? Am I doing what my parents told me to do? Am I running the dialogue from some sort of person that I held in high regard or someone that just happened to be an authoritative figure at one point in my life. Ask yourself every single day as you wake up, am I doing this because I want to do it or am I doing it because I feel I have to? That's beautiful, Ariel. Really, really is. Thank you so much for coming on today. What we'll do is I'll put together all your Facebook information, how they can contact you. And do you have a, you, you have the Facebook, is there any other better way An email, I guess, right? There's yeah. Email. I'll give you my email. Um, I don't okay. have a website. I do have a link tree for people to book. And then I also have a podcast with a old podcast, but it has a couple episodes of people want to listen a little bit more to what I have to say. Um, but there feel free to reach out to me in messenger. That's a really reliable means of communicating with me or email. Beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on today. I'm going to post this everywhere and you're spectacular, really powerful. I love Thank it. Thank you for giving me the time, Connor. You're more than welcome. I'll talk to you very soon. Yes, sir.